0: Morning Liberty.
1: Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is the one, the only, the most loved person by everyone in our podcast group, Mr. Charles, Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? I play for keeps. He plays for keeps. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, used to play a little bit of basketball. You see him, he's six, eight. You'll be like, Hey, I bet that guy plays basketball. And it is true. You used to, but you quit so you could play music yeah. instead. I still play basketball every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably I, hard on your knees. You it's know, very so you're difficult old. on the knees. Yeah. It is.
2: <laughs> I literally woke up, what well, was a Sunday morning, and I started walking, and my right knee was just. Giving me pain. That's the one I think I tore my MCL in playing basketball. I just never went and got it checked out.
1: <laughs> so, oh, fact check, not true. You're not six eight, you're oh, six seven and like three quarters or something like that. That's my bad. Whatever
2: we need, Jeff, not Paul, Jeff, not Maurice <laughs> to give us that stat. I don't remember what the tape said. It was something like that six seven and five eights or six seven and. We don't want to get it wrong. And 5 sixteenths ths or something. Those are two totally different things, by the way. Yeah.
1: But I'm definitely not 6 foot 8. Um, Amanda said you didn't measure in the morning. And you, your discs probably compressed throughout the day before you measured. So that mm-hmm. might be where that extra quarter inch discrepancy. And I wasn't laying down. coming from. Yeah. So the gravity... A lot of it, we didn't yeah. stretch. We didn't do the Braveheart stretch beforehand. Exactly. Nothing like that. So anyway, this is Good Morning Liberty, where we talk <laughs> about life, liberty, and the, the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. If you enjoy it, then hit follow on your phone. Subscribe on YouTube. Go to some of the social medias and do that too. And go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com so you can chat live with us. So Rand Paul versus... Doctor, the one and only Anthony Science Fauci. Again, today, I think it was round four. I'm pretty sure it was round four, if if anyone can fact check that. This one was a lengthy exchange, but we're going to listen to it for a little bit because it got heated pretty quick. And Fauci was ready for the fact that Paul was going to be asking questions, but then he played the victim card and it just got real sad and terrible because he wouldn't actually answer the question. So it's all predictable. By it, the way. it really is. Um, before we play this, I just want to say, man, I really wish Rand Paul would have gotten the nomination in, uh, in 2016. Charlie just spilled a soda on his laptop. So well, I think he's going to flip it upside down real quick and see how that goes. Is that your, <laughs> uh, is that where you do all your coding? Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Nice. You're going to have sticky keys turned on. That's going got, to be a thing that's going to happen.
2: I got thrown off because I, I saw alcohol on this bottle yeah. over here, and I picked it up.
1: And it wasn't like a couple drops of Coke oh, Zero. It poured right on all over it, it. was like a a third of a cup went directly onto the keyboard just then. So... Keep going. Okay, anyway, <laughs> let's play this video, and we'll pay attention what I was saying before Charlie's Coke Zero thing rudely interrupted was that man i wish rand paul would have won that nomination that would have been pretty good we need to especially even as libertarians have a a little bit of respect and a little bit of appreciation for the fact that there is someone out there saying these things so dr paul versus dr fauci let's go
3: dr fauci the idea that a government official like yourself would claim unilaterally unilaterally to represent science that any criticism of you would be considered a criticism of science itself is quite dangerous. Central planning, whether it be of the economy or of science, is risky because of the fallibility of the planner. It would not be so catastrophic if the planner were simply one physician in Peoria. Then the mistakes would only affect that physician's patients, the people who chose that physician. But when the planner is a government official, like yourself, who rules by mandate the errors are compounded and become much more harmful. A planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies, in his mind, using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him.
1: Now, first off, I'll go ahead and stop it real quick. He just made a really great point About central planning, once again, I'm just saying there is a senator out there that gets it talking about how dangerous it is to have someone at the top of government, the highest paid government official making these decisions, directing policy. It's not as big of a deal on a local level because if one doctor somewhere on a local level makes a mistake. Then that can be easily fixed and it doesn't affect the entire population. But when you have central planning and your central planners fail, which is one of the main ideas he was going towards today. Uh, that's not quite as good, which is pre- pretty. Especially when you have someone who says, I am science. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am th- medicine. I'm glad he brought that up. All right. Let's keep going.
3: In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently, there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford.
1: We got to take a break and talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Something preventing you from achieving your goals? I've gone through this before. Charlie's gone through this before. He uses BetterHelp himself. I've gone and talked to counselors before. Sometimes, maybe you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. Maybe there's a different perspective that you need to look out for. Taking care of your mental health is something that is very important And it's also very possible. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You're going to connect in a safe and private online environment so much more convenient than fighting traffic going into the office somewhere you just get on the app and talk to someone you can start talking to them in under 24 hours this is not some self-help app this is actual professional counseling you can send a message to your counselor anytime and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to go to that freaking waiting room better help is committed to giving you great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. If they match you up with someone and you don't like them, you can switch over to someone else. It's more affordable than actually going into the office because you're just doing it over an app. And this is available worldwide. You got expertise in so many different areas, depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family, grief, self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential This is very convenient, it's professional, it's affordable because you're doing it through an app instead of going into the office. You can go to the website and check out the testimonials. And by the way, this is not a crisis line. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. There's a reason for that because a lot of people are using this app to get help. If you wanna start living a happier life today as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by going to BetterHelp.com slash GML. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's com slash GML.
3: And you quote in the email that they, or from Dr. Collins, and you, you agree that they are fringe. And immediately there's this takedown effort. A published takedown, though you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist instead of engaging them on the merits you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down. Now the people he's
1: talking about right here, by the way, these are the people who authored the uh, the Great Barrington Declaration, and that generally was just an idea that we needed to protect the most vulnerable in society, not shut the entire society down because there were trade-offs here. There are no solutions, only trade-offs. As my granddaddy used to say, there were a lot of trade-offs here and there are other ways that people can die. And what we needed to do was uh, actually just protect the most vulnerable that had the highest risk of hospitalization and death from this virus. And when they came out with that great Barrington Declaration, uh, I think that was was that Jay uh, Bhattacharya. Is that who that was? Pretty sure. And then he's talking about uh, Francis Collins. I think on on this, uh, when that came out, there was an email exchange between the two of them where they basically talked about shutting them down and and pointing to them as being fringe epidemi- epidemiologists, mm-hmm. like Paul is pointing out. They are from Harvard and Stanford and Oxford. Need to be silenced. Not exactly the most fringe places out there
3: and not in journals in lay press this is not only antithetical to the scientific method it's the epitome of cheap politics and it's reprehensible dr fauci do you really think it's appropriate to use your four hundred and twenty thousand dollar salary to attack scientists that disagree with you
1: boom takes off his mask the the, the
3: email you're referring to was an email
0: of dr collins to me if you look at the email that
3: you responded to and hurried up and said i can do it i can do it we got something in wired no no, no i think in you usual
0: did. fashion senator you are distorting everything about me. Did you
3: First ever of object of to Dr. Collins's characterization of them as friends Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, "No, they're not fringe. They're esteemed scientists," and it would be beneath uh, me to do that? Do... You responded to him that you would do it, uh, and you immediately got an article yeah, you, in Wired you, you, and you sent it back to him, and said, "Hey, look, I've got them. I nailed them in Wired. Of all scientific publications, that's not publications. what went on.
0: You, there yeah. you go again. That you was just do the same thing every year. That
3: was your response.
0: And so, this, so, wasn't, this wasn't
3: the only time. So your desire to take you're down people incorrect." As usual, Senator, you are no. incorrect almost everything you Well, said. no, you deny, you deny, right. but the emails tell the truth of this. No.
1: This wasn't the— By the way, he just said, as usual, you're incorrect on almost every single thing you say. Has Rand Paul been proven to be incorrect on all the stuff that he has pointed out to Dr. Fauci throughout oh, the previous obvious, rounds?
2: Oh, Obviously. Let's look at the
1: media. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter that right. Fauci destroyed Rand Paul. You know. I think
2: I, I read in Wired <laughs> yeah. that Rand Paul was wrong about gain of function and everything.
1: Now, the one correction I saw on this, uh, Paul's characterization might have been a little bit incorrect. He didn't reach out to Wired. Fauci didn't reach out to Wired to get them to write this. When Collins uh, reached out asking about this, Fauci or someone in his office found uh, articles that had already been written for Wired recently in, in the last few days about this great Barrington Declaration. And he sent those back to Francis Collins and said, here, you know, there's already a couple things out there, mm-hmm. basically. Like, here, here you go. Here's, here's how we can start the smear right now. So all right. The let's... only
3: time. Your desire to take down those who disagree with you didn't stop with Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. You conspired with Peter Dayzak, who you communicated with privately, and other members of the scientific community that wrote opinion pieces for Nature. Five of them signed a, a paper for Nature, an opinion piece. Seventeen signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated in the lab. Do you think words like conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper?
0: Senator, I never used that word when I was referring
3: to it. You're distorting virtually everything. Did you communicate with the five scientists who wrote the opinion piece in Nature, where they were describing, oh, there's this, no way this could that have come from, from the lab? That was not me. What did I you did, talk with any of those see, scientists but privately? you keep the you keep the story the truth it is how you talk to any of the scientists privately yes who wrote the opinion you did well what were they telling you privately
0: well let me explain you know you're going back to that original discussion when i brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind so you not only are you distorting it you were completely turning it around. As as most you of the scientists knew. that
3: came to you privately—did they come to you privately and say, "No way, this came from the lab"? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and others that were involved, was their initial impression actually that it looked very suspicious for a virus you know, that came from a lab?
0: Senator, we are here at a committee to look at a, a virus now that has killed almost 900,000 people. By the way,
1: what are the odds that a virus originating from bats naturally evolves and comes out of a town where there is a research facility where they are testing enhanced viruses on bats. Uh, what, what, is, what are the odds of
0: that happening?
1: I'd say near hundred percent. That
2: sounds I mean, like to it's me, o- it's the obvious. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the purpose of the committee you was it. to try Mm-mm. and get things out, how we can help to get the American public and you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely no relevance to reality. Because you you're the one responsible.
1: He's about to tell him that here in a second. He's, that he's the, the one, one
2: responsible. That's yeah. why you get the personal attacks. Yeah, no, you can't attack him because you are science.
1: You declared yourself that you are science. Who else are you going to talk to? You're talking to science right now. Exactly. I'd like to speak to the manager of science. Oh, yeah, I'm right here, Ren. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk about something bad? No. No. No, Get
2: your boss. No, I (laughs) am. I am. That's all he is. He's now I am.
1: I am.
3: But do you have a greater success? Do you think it's a great success what's happened so far? Do you think the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead architect for the response from the government. And now 800,000 people have died. Do you think it's a a winning success what you've advocated for government? Uh, Senator, first of all, if you look at everything that I
0: said, you accuse me of in a monolithic way telling people what they need to do. Everything that I've said has been in support of the CDC guidelines. Wear a mask, get boosted, and you've advocated to
3: make it coercive take, take and done force. And You've advocated that that it be done by mandate. You, you've advocated that your infallible opinion be dictated by law. Right.
1: One good point right there that he just said, that Fauci just said, was everything that I've said has been in support of CDC guidelines. And there's something weird when the nation's top epidemiologist, the person who's telling everyone what to do, everything that they say is in support of what another government agency is setting as guidelines mm-hmm. for everything. Isn't that convenient, It's how all that happens? That's a hand-washing station. <laughs> that's what <all> it is. <laughs>
2: so, right. that's, that's what the government does. They set up all these hand-washing <laughs> stations yeah. for each other.
0: So, again, Madam Chair, I would like just a couple of minutes because right. this this happens all the time. You personally attack me and with absolutely not a shred of evidence of anything you say. So I would (laughs) like to make something clear to the committee. He's doing this for political reasons. What you need to do... Is He said in front of this committee... You think your takedown of three I was, prominent I was,
3: epidemiologists you, was not political? You, you don't want me that to finish,
0: because you know what I'm going to say. Senator, that was the question. Senator, Were you political we in
1: taking down this, right, these three point, prominent
3: MDB epidemiologists? Senator
1: Paul, if you would please, um, I'm going to allow this, uh, the, Dr. Fauci to respond. We have a number of senators yeah. who would like to ask questions, and I would like him to be able to respond. Right. Please
0: do. So th- the last time we had a committee of the time before... He was accusing me of being responsible for the death of four to five million people, which is really irresponsible. And I say, why is he doing that? There are two reasons why that's really bad. The first is it distracts from what we're all trying to do here today is get our arms around the epidemic and the pandemic that we're dealing with, not something imaginary. Number two, what happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely... By the way, that first
1: reason was, the first reason it's bad to talk about these things is because it distracts people from what I'm trying to do. That, that was his reasoning.
2: Great gaslight.
1: <laughs> That's really... That's perfect. Really good.
0: Completely untrue, is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there, and I have life, threats upon my life, harassments of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, that's the way it goes. I can take the hit. Well, it, it, it makes a difference because as some of you
1: may know. By, by the way, and people are saying in the uh, group too, I mean, really thinking about Fauci up here talking to Rand Paul, about how dangerous it is for Rand Paul to say things because then there are threats on Dr. Fauci's life. Yeah. Saying that to Rand Paul. Well, he's never been attacked. Never. Yeah. Never at all. <laughs> he hasn't survived an attempted mass shooting. He hasn't survived an, atten- an attempted D de- lawn mowering <laughs> at his house. Yeah. COVID tried to kill him. Mm-hmm. People surrounded them. When they tried to walk stupidly from the Capitol to their hotel when there were riots and stuff going on outside, uh, that wasn't a good idea. Still hold true to that. Um, yeah, it. Um, I, I just feel like Fauci trying to play the victim card here while talking to uh, a guy who apparently has at least nine lives out here. Uh, it's just not really going to work very well. It's psychopathic. It'll work for some people, but it's not going to work against Rand Paul.
0: Just about... Three or four weeks ago, on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C. at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked the police asked him where he was going. And he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. <laughs> and they found in his car an AR-15 and multiple magazines of ammunition. I'm yeah, at sorry. least he got that right. <laughs>
1: He said magazines. He said magazines. Point one point given to Fauci for saying magazines. (laughs) Yeah, at least now give credit when credit's due. Yeah, I'm um I'm listen. I'm sorry if that's a real thing that happened that shouldn't happen. No one should do it. But I gotta call total bullshit on Mm -hmm. that story. Like. I'm going to drive from Sacramento to Washington, D.C. with an AR-15 in my car. Driving from Sacramento, by the way. There's an AR-15 in my car. Okay. And when I get pulled over. I feel like Dave Chappelle telling the juicy smoothie story right, right here. <laughs> and when the cop comes up to the window. He's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And he's like, well, I guess I was speeding. And he's like, well, are you on your way to do? Oh, I'm going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Anthony Fauci. You <laughs> yeah. see those guns in the back of my car? Right. Those are the kill Dr. Fauci. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've got extra magazines You think up. you could uh, give me just a warning because I'm kind of late right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, how plausible
2: is this story? I planned on doing this at 12.01 p.m. tomorrow, so yeah. you're, you're kind of putting me behind here.
1: Yeah. So, definitely still and trying to play this victim and card.
2: don't forget... The driver was wearing a MAGA hat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Dr. Fauci still still has his subway sandwich, though, so that's okay.
0: Because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. So I ask myself, why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says, Contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. So the
3: only, the, the only thing you have politically attacked your could, colleagues uh, and in a politically reprehensible the only way, yeah, things like their think reputations. Of. Okay, you we, won't defend it. No, you won't well, argue it. I'm You'll just simply turn going around
0: to the continue attack. This hearing. We yeah. have a number of questions after another session. One more minute.
1: So. Fauci came to the thing with papers printed off from Rand Paul's website. By the way, he was uh, he was prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fact that he was going to be questioned. Also, it said "fire," Doctor Fauci. It didn't
2: <clears throat> say "kill." Yeah, it didn't say "murder." It Didn't yeah. say
1: "shoot." Listen, I'm not saying the story isn't real. I know it's a it is a, a a real story. I I just man, doesn't that seem a little a little out there? I don't know. Um, So he's up there holding up this stuff from Rand Paul's website saying that because you can donate on his website to his campaign and it says fire Dr. Fauci on his website, then he's doing this for political gain and the monetary gain also, I guess, probably. Of course, Fauci is the highest paid person in the U.S. government, so Mm -hmm. I guess that, that doesn't really count. Well, but um, on paper, he's on highest paper. And on paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not counting people's stock market portfolios yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, man, I kickbacks. should have brought that video that you sent me earlier. Yeah, kickbacks on their kickbacks. Um, the um, – the other thing is do you think Rand Paul's the only senator that's pointing to something going on with COVID and trying to raise any money off of it? Do you think there's any senators or congress people out there at all that are using a situation and saying, "Hey, donate to my campaign if you want me to do this thing. You're going to have to keep me in office." Anyone at all? Has that ever happened before? Is this the first time? You want me to mandate vaccines? Vote yeah, for me.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Those types of things? Oh, okay. Well, that was the end. Of that video, i I found it pretty. I found it pretty fun. I don't know if it was as hard hitting as the old days back in rounds one, two, and three, but mm-hmm. overall, it was a pretty good one.
2: And you know, I get uh, Rand Paul's frustration. I do. I feel like he could have done a little bit better of a job, maybe. But I also, in that moment, probably would have acted the same way. Yeah, I mean, especially when somebody's trying to gaslight you, like right on on television in a hearing. And you're like, okay, yeah, well, let me just keep pointing to the evidence.
1: Remember, this was a nine-minute conversation. Fauci didn't answer a single question. He could have just said no. That's not true. But yeah. instead, he was deflecting the entire time. for, for he it. had a whole speech prepared that he wanted oh, yeah. to give. He had stuff printed out from Rand Paul's <laughs> right. website. Like, here's a something to get me out of this conversation. Right here. I'm ready to go. I don't want to actually answer the question. So, this was actually uh, trending on Twitter, number one afterwards, uh, just so everyone knows. So, Rand Paul, trending number one on Twitter. I think I printed, I printed it. I think I, I didn't print it out. I'm not as prepared as Dr. Fauci. <laughs> okay, I was, I was not ready. But it was trending up there at number one. And there were a couple other things that were pretty ridiculous. Of course, everything says Fauci destroys Rand Paul. Uh, Fauci puts Rand Paul in his place. Everything is about how Fauci destroyed Rand Paul, of course. And let me look at this, how this was stated on Twitter. Here's the number one video that they attached to it for trending number one on Twitter right here. This was a CBS News three minute clip. Of Dr. Fauci saying, in usual fashion, you're distorting everything about me, and that is the number one uh, attached to the number one trend. Of course, right there. So, <laughs> it's a. Uh, what else would you expect? There's, it's just comical these days to watch this stuff happen.
2: And it's and it's it's it is comical how you can watch the entire all the videos of all the hearings, and then the still the mainstream news will print that. Dr. Rand Paul got destroyed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by Fauci. It's just absolutely comical. And then it turns out later that Rand Paul was right about just about everything he said. Mm-hmm. And there's no hide, no hair lady. <laughs> there's, you know,
1: that that's true. So, uh, by the way, I didn't pull up the article actually today. I should have from a website called goodmorningliberty.us, but I did want to point out that Amanda, who you maybe have heard us mention before, Wrote an article that was basically disclosing what the Big News Project Veritas released last night, um, three months ago, in the in a nice investigative piece. And I will put a link in the show notes for you to go check that out. And also, since we're pointing out Amanda's article, I'll say she's also on a podcast with Maurice as well, called Civil Discord. And you should look that up on all of your with Maurice podcasts. allegedly. I AI Maurice is on that. Okay, to the first news story here. U.S. insurer, you know that test thing is going on. You know why we don't have enough tests is because people don't have the money to pay for them. That's actually what the problem is. And we don't have enough people trying to manufacture them. Yeah, that's the... There's not enough companies. That is the main main problem. U.S. insurers must cover eight at-home COVID tests per person monthly. Now, Nate, when did
2: When were you talking about people being able to test themselves at home conveniently to make sure that they didn't have COVID before they went somewhere?
1: I think it was in um, April or May of 2020, maybe April of 2020 Mm -hmm. would be my guess. (laughs) April of 2020, I was talking about how awesome this would be and how this would help us end the pandemic or at least help with hospitalizations and mainly deaths because you would do like what I do if uh, you're going to go see someone who's at really high risk well then you might as well just take a test beforehand I'm not saying that you should take a test every day and never go anywhere out in the public but maybe before you go hang out with your 90 year old grandma you take a test and you just make sure now, you could do that early in the pandemic if you wanted to do it a few days in advance and wait in line and take it and get your PCR test back. No, you, you know, couldn't, actually. It was, uh, well, not too early in the pandemic. You had to no have Symptoms. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got yeah. to have don't some forget, symptoms. Don't forget, there
2: were at least 30 companies who were denied FDA clearance for their at home tests. Oh, it's a,
1: denied, it's way more than that. Well, I'm saying there yeah. were at least 30 in the beginning of the pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that the number is close to 100 now. Companies that have tests and they've approved 13 of them so far. Yeah. And there are companies that are currently providing millions of tests in the UK that are not allowed to sell tests in the United States, and they're ready to go. They said they could hit 50 million uh, a month uh, for the U.S., and they're just not approved.
2: We're the only developed nation that doesn't have COVID <laughs> tests approved.
1: And you know what we were missing? We were missing the administration forcing health insurance providers to cover people's tests when That's they go and buy them. Exactly right. That's what the problem was. So insurance companies from Reuters will be required, not insurance companies from Reuters. I was saying insurance companies and then I was mentioning that the articles from Reuters. Insurance companies will be required to cover eight over-the-counter at-home coronavirus tests per person each month starting Saturday. The Biden administration has said White House also said on Monday that there is no limit to the number of COVID-19 tests, including at home tests that insurers must cover if they are ordered or administered.
2: And this uh, this just (laughs) in Mexico is going to pay for it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Somehow the prices of tests have inflated by 300 percent in the last two or three months. I have no idea how this happened.
2: By the way, I saw an article about the rise in test costs like a month ago or something like that. Yeah. And said that the the deal they made with the administration Knocking the test prices down thirty five percent, that deal has expired. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to require your insurance companies to pay for it. And so the average family will probably save twenty five hundred dollars
1: yeah, per year for the
2: average family of four
1: so the like main that. the main issue with this is we've already got people complaining about the tests being too expensive. The tests are too expensive because they won't allow the supply to meet the demand. And if they would allow the supply to meet the demand, then the prices would be able to come down. You would be able to do that not by invoking the Defense Production Act or throwing $3 billion into making the same companies make more tests, but you could do it by approving all of the other companies that are trying to sell the tests who already have production capacity where they can meet the supply, and then the cost could go down to what it is like in the UK where it's like $5 to get a test. And then you wouldn't think that much about getting the test Whenever you want to go see grandma. Your insurance companies wouldn't
2: have to pay for them.
1: Yeah. Or anything like that. And so the issue
2: here. We wouldn't be out right now, by the way. I was trying to find a COVID test. I know you found one. Mm-hmm. I literally called 10 different stores. I went three different places close to where I live. All out. All gone. Couldn't find a COVID test to save my life. Literally.
1: Um, literally. You would have died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, well, went in Rome. Um, The issue here is that. To the consumer, it's going to look like the, the cost of the test go down immediately, but that's not actually going to be the case. The cost is likely going to rise for the actual test. Now, it might go down to your, down for up front when you submit this to insurance and they end up paying for it, something like that. It might go down a bit up front. But um, for the actual cost of the test, whatever it costs in the manufacturer, Whatever they're selling at wholesale prices or whatever, that's going to go up because now you're removing, you're putting someone in between the buyer and the seller, and now the actual cost is going to be disguised from the buyer, and you're having someone throw in a bunch of money towards paying for something, and now the incentive for the businesses that are creating these things is not going to be to make sure that they are the lowest price possible, like everything else in the healthcare industry, The incentive is not for it to be the lowest price possible. The incentive is just to make sure that the insurance is going to cover whatever it is you decide to charge for it. That's about it.
2: You notice they did this right after open enrollment and closed too.
1: open enrollment, closed, open, closed, open. Yeah. Yeah. I keep saying I keep I kept seeing commercials for Obamacare, the Affordable Health Care Act. And they kept saying, uh, that, you know, I used to think that healthcare uh, was not affordable, but thanks to the new law, I was able to get... And they're calling it the new law, the yeah. commercials, like it just happened. It's still relatively new, I guess, 2012. I, in relation to other it's laws. It's not even 10 years old yet, Nate. Was it 2012? I thought it was 2010. It was just a, an infant. I don't know how long it's... I think it was, think it was 10 or 11, something like that. But yeah, yeah, I just thought it was pretty funny. Okay, so the other things... Uh, that are going to be an issue here if they don't actually approve more people uh, to actually produce these things we're still just going to end up with more shortages when your health insurance is covering more of these tests at the same time they're not actually addressing the real problem because either they don't understand basic economics or they don't care and they are actually just working for some other goals or C. what's the other one Both of them. Both. Both of the above. They don't
2: understand economics and they don't care. Yeah. That's most politicians there. Okay. We'll just tell them they have to do it. And when they ask why, because I said so.
1: Problem solved. Because I said so. Mm -hmm. That's why. Um, There's a couple other... boomer parenting for you. I know we're already in, let's see, 31 minutes. And if you want to talk about this filibuster thing, because this is going to be... uh, This is where the narrative is shifting, by the way. The administration is finding that they are failing miserably at this whole COVID thing. Like, oh, this wasn't quite as easy as uh, it looked when I was watching (laughs) it on TV while Trump was doing it. Like someone who used armchair quarterback for a living getting thrown into the game. They're like, oh, this is tough. Man, I'm getting sacked over here. They don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. And so now we're going to switch over to the fact that we are in Jim Crow two, version 2.7 by now, I'm pretty sure. And uh, uh, obviously, Republicans are trying to take away everyone's right to vote. And that is the thing that we have to fix right now. It is. It, so, it has to be the thing we fix.
2: Just like New York segue. City, they are now allowing their, um, their undocumented immigrants to vote. I saw that. Yeah. As long as they've been in the city, in the country with 30 days and they have a valid work permit. Mm-hmm. So now they can vote too.
1: interesting libertarian debate right there. Cause a lot of people would just say that anyone needs to be able to vote or, or whatever. I tend to not be on that side of the equation. Well,
2: the real libertarians would jump in and be like, I don't believe in voting. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> That's true.
1: What are we voting for here? Yeah. All we right. shouldn't be doing it in the first place.
2: From the AP Biden mm-hmm. to back filibuster changes to push voting rights bill. So you remember how Democrats hate the filibuster? They want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, except
1: no. for when they when they like the filibuster. Now they, they now want they it. It. like it. No, this they is. don't like it. They're getting rid of it now. Oh, okay. They normally like it when they can use it. Well, yeah, which but, is the same for all politicians.
2: But, but now, now they don't like it. Yeah. So they want to get rid of it. President Joe Biden will use a speech in Georgia to endorse changing Senate filibuster rules that have stalled voting rights legislation, saying it's time to choose democracy over.
1: Autocracy.
2: autocracy.
1: He just he's, rhymes, they're both verbs. It's time to choose
2: <laughs> democracy over autocracy. Of course. Chucky Schumer, Chucky Boner Schumer
1: <laughs> The erection selection
2: Schumer himself. <laughs> has set up Martin Martin Luther King Junior Day as the deadline to either pass voting legislation or consider revising the rules. Of course, what a great day to pick. I mean <laughs> and when you when you're combating Jim Crow
1: 2.0, yeah,
2: you know you have to pass you have to pass the Civil Rights 2.0. And
1: that is how they have to frame. They have to get people in that mindset to make them think that they are the modern day civil rights fighters that they've been reading about for their whole lives. That this is their chance to be just like Martin Luther King Jr. or all the people that were following him. And so that's why they've got to set this up on MLK Day.
2: Biden plans to tell his audience the next few days when these bills come to a vote will mark a turning point in this nation. He might be right about that. Not COVID, but (laughs) it's this. Quote, will we choose democracy over autocracy, light over shadow, justice over injustice?
1: Has he never gotten tired of these things that he he does? It's always this either or thing. We choose
2: good or evil. (laughs) That's that's that's. That's what you're up against, folks. Mm -hmm. And if you disagree, well, obviously you're evil. Populism. I know where I stand. I will not yield. I will not flinch. he will say, according to prepared remarks. I
1: like when they release the speech beforehand. It makes it even more real. (laughs) I will defend
2: your right to vote in our democracy against all enemies, foreign and domestic.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. And domestic.
2: Wow. And so the question is, where will the institution of the United States Senate stand? Now, never mind what's in this bill, by the way. We've gone over this a few times before, where it's there are, they are stacking all kinds of things into this voting rights bill.
1: Well, and um, what they're considering a loss of voting rights, by the way, are things that were extended because of the coronavirus pandemic. And so they extended all these new voting options. And then when they took those back away, They said, well, that was a loss of voting rights after they took all that stuff away. Now, some of it, the new uh, ID laws and stuff, that's some new stuff in in some of these places. But a lot of it is they're shortening the poll times or they're taking away the early extended voting periods that we've had for two years now. This is just like Jim Crow. Yeah, gosh,
2: even though we are just going back to where Mm -hmm. we were two years ago. Biden will voice support for changing the Senate filibuster rules only to ensure the right to vote is defended. It's important.
1: That's it. And they won't do it for anything else after that.
2: Filibuster rules require 60 votes to advance most legislation. Republicans unanimously oppose the voting rights measures. And not all Democrats are fully on board with changing the filibuster.
1: You see, I underlined Republicans oppose voting rights measures. Jeez. Well, uh, of course, they're evil. They're against your right
2: yeah. to vote. They're choosing yeah. autocracy mm-hmm. over democracy. Voting rights advocates uh, voting rights advocates nationwide are anxious about what will happen in 2022 and beyond following enactment of Republican-pushed laws that make it harder to vote. They're just
1: trying to shut down democracy.
2: Yeah. Anti-democracy over here. Mm-hmm. Laws have already passed in at least 19 states that make it more difficult to vote. They're just stating this, which like mm-hmm. is more difficult. Voting rights groups view the changes as a subletter form. Subtler form. I'm sorry. A, a subtler form of the ballot restrictions like literacy tests and poll taxes once used to disenfranchise black voters. It's the same thing. They're
1: Yeah, they're like literacy tests.
2: Showing your ID is the same thing as taking a literacy test and, and having a poll tax. <laughs> it's the exact same. Even oh.
1: when you can get a free ID, it's that's a tax. The hyperbole is on point. I'll tell you that. It's pretty impressive. It really is. So anyway, that's what's going on there,
2: folks. Uh, if you obviously, if you disagree with voting rights, well, you're part of, you're the enemy. All
1: right. So we are talking once again about COVID-19 hospitalizations breaking a record with more than 145,000 COVID-19 hospitalizations right now. All right. now, this article is both going to state that total number and say that some hospitals are reporting that only 35% of those people are actually hospitalized because of COVID. They're both going to do that at the same time, Yeah. just so we know. The U.S. surpassed its record for COVID-19 hospitalizations on Tuesday with no end in sight. This is never going to stop. You see that line? It never stops going up to skyrocketing caseloads, falling staff levels and the struggles of a medical system trying to provide care amid an unprecedented surge of the coronavirus now they got falling staff levels in there that's a that's an issue and to me that is the main issue that we have right now if we're talking about hospital capacity if you want to fix hospital capacity there's two things you could do one you could address why are the staff levels falling look at the reasons why are they is it because of Vaccine mandates? Is it because people don't like their job, as because of different reasons like that? Okay, well let's see if we can address some of those things. Then we get the staff levels back up, and then they can cover some of those beds that are available, but they can't cover right now. So that's one thing. All right. the The uh, Tuesday's total of one hundred forty five thousand people in the U.S. hospitals, uh, which includes forty four hundred children. so my was almost right. <laughs> so weird. close. Mm-hmm. passed the record of 142,000 set on January 14th, 2021, during the previous peak. As of Monday, there was Less
2: tw- than a year. It took less than a year to, to beat the record. As
1: of, that's, Let's go, Brandon. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> As of Monday, there were 23,000 COVID patients and ICUs nationwide. How many of those are actually there because of COVID? We don't know. Compare with a record 29,000 on January 12th, 2021. About 1,200 hospitals, just under a quarter, reported a critical staffing shortage this week. And another 120 reported anticipating the staffing crisis within a week. You notice this time they're not actually talking about running out of beds or running out of ventilators or running out of anything like that. They're just saying that they're hitting capacities. And that's because the actual resources themselves are not hitting capacities. They just don't have the staff to actually cover it. That's the main issue. It's a labor shortage. Yes. We have a labor a labor shortage. At unit, By the way, this is about 19 paragraphs down in the article. At a university hospital in Newark, about 61% of COVID patients did not have coronavirus as their primary diagnosis, meaning they arrived seeking care for another reason but tested positive when checked for COVID. Hmm. LA County Health Department Health Services, which runs four public hospitals, reported last week that 65% uh, it's 150 COVID patients. They run four hospitals, by the way. 65% of their 150 COVID patients were incidental cases, up from 20% in last winter's peak, which means, by the way, they had those numbers somewhere. Mm. They just said up from 20% last week. Well, I've seen a lot of, a lot of people,
2: <clears throat> like doctors reviewing all the patient charts and stuff like that, seeing what the primary diagnosis is and all that, or reason, when you when you come to the hospital, they ask their reason for being there. Um, and so they're reviewing all the charts and starting to tally up that data because yeah. now it's important. <laughs> now yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, it wasn't important to track that for two years, but now it's important to track that because this is getting out of hand, folks, and we need to figure out how we can make this data fit our narrative.
1: By the way, if we use L.A. County's, the L.A. County Department of Health Services numbers, where right now they're saying 35 of the pa- 35% of the patients are there because of COVID, and that during last winter's peak, 80% of the patients were there because of COVID. Let's then look at what the COVID hospitalizations numbers look like. So remember, right now, we have 145,000 people hospitalized with COVID. During the peak last time, we had 142,000 hospitalized with COVID. Applying the percentages... From L.A. County, now this is definitely different all around the country, applying the most recent percentages from L.A. County. Right now, we would have 51,000 people in the hospital for COVID. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. And in the last uh, peak, it was 113,000 people in the hospital because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So those numbers are different, by the way, because of the highly transmissible Omicron variant. Uh, that so many more people when they're coming in, well, they also happen to have Omicron. It's so transmissible people coming in for whatever other reason, a lot more of them happen to also have Omicron when they come there versus Delta, which was highly transmissible, but Omicron is highly transmissible Uh Delta yes. was um, the somewhat less transmissible variant that was out there. And so not as many people that were coming in were just happening to have COVID. So once and again, I, know,
2: I know you were doing this with your right-wing witchcraft math, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I think the numbers check out. Yeah. I just wanted to let you know. Did
1: you check the numbers make mm-hmm. sure they're good? I did. So once again, if it's 35% using L.A. County of the, ter- of the current number, then 51,000 are in the hospital right now because of COVID. If it was 80% a year ago, then that meant that 113,000 were in the hospital because of COVID. Now, if they presented those numbers right there, Do you think that that would incite the same panic that we have right now from everyone? It would be hard to sell a booster,
2: (laughs) I think. It might. It'd be be hard to mandate the vaccines at that point, I think. Also, (sighs) thanks Dan and Amanda for constantly reminding us that, I mean, it's hard because we're white. So inherently (laughs) we're racist and numbers are racist and we use numbers obviously because of our white fragility. Yeah, and there's nothing we can do about it. Honestly, I wish there was something I could do about it.
1: Oh, did they get us uh, once again on the fact that math was racist? Is that the is that the issue? Numbers, numbers are racist. Numbers are
2: used in math, so yes, math is racist. But numbers are racist to begin with. Do you have time for one more little thing? Sure, we need to go.
1: Sure, do. I thought you would find this education secretary thing interesting from a government surveillance and domestic terrorist standpoint.
2: Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this story because after this, we're all dying from COVID. So, <laughs> um, you know, I hope you enjoy it. This is from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. Daily Wire in Nashville, Tennessee, by the way. Same place. Even though
1: Ben lives in Florida, I was kind of disappointed. I thought he was actually going to move to Nashville. He lives in Florida. Yeah. So, what a cop out. I know. All right. Biden's education
2: secretary solicited an NSBA letter comparing parents to domestic terrorists. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona reportedly solicited the NSBA, the National School Board Association's letter, which compared parents protesting issues like critical race theory in schools to domestic terrorists, according to an email exchange reviewed by Fox News. President Biden's Justice Department used this NSBA letter, which suggested that as these acts of malice, violence and threats against public school officials have increased, the classification of these heinous actions could be the equivalent to form a domestic terrorism and hate crimes. Hmm. You know, protesting and getting a little upset at a school board meeting, mm-hmm. it's the same thing.
1: Basically the same. That—that was The mm. Constitution was to protect against all enemies, the foreign ones that were speaking out at meetings out Do, there and domestic parents and people domestically. Anyone the constitution, you swear to defend this, the constitution against all people that are ap- that are upset at meetings in other countries and people that are upset at meetings in the U S also. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, to justify the creation of their own memo, which directed the FBI to assist local law enforcement and to use federal law, including the Patriot act, to examine appropriate enforceable actions. Now, this, I all conservatives. I love how worked
1: up you get about yes. privacy stuff. That's why I you to do this All conservatives
2: should read this and then understand why folks like me and other libertarians rail against things like the Patriot Act or the Freedom Act or anything that they will turn around and use against you at another time, which is exactly what they did in this situation. Oh, it'll never happen hmm It'll never happen as long as you got nothing to hide.
1: Even though they use it to spy on Trump.
2: <laughs> yeah, they use it to spy on Trump. They use all these... Of, they got nothing to hide, nothing to fear, all this stuff. And here they are using it on parents. Parents advocating for their kids in school.
1: And the reason you can't get behind this is because you never know who was going to have that power in the future. Exactly. You were If you were okay with it when Bush was president, then you have to ask yourself, is there going to be a guy or girl in charge that I'm going to agree with for the rest of my life and my kids' lives and my grandkids' lives. Screw my great grandkids. I don't care.
2: Using the Patriot Act to examine appropriate and forcible actions. And
1: by the way, after they allegedly, allegedly solicited the letter from the school board association, meaning the government reached out to the school board association soliciting this letter where they did, they then said that the parents were like domestic terrorists so then the government could use the Patriot Act, Patriot Act and go against those people
2: the yes. government asked for a letter so that they could use that letter yeah to then enforce. to justify their
1: own exactly. actions
2: in the October 5th email NSBA secretary treasurer Christy sweat uh, recounted that NSBA interim CEO chip Slavin... Quote, told the officers he was writing a letter to provide information to the White House from a request by Secretary Cardona. Previous emails had revealed that the NSBA was in contact with the White House and Justice Department in the weeks before it publicly sent the letter. Hey, man, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I'll just put this in there. But make sure you use this word so that it specifically invokes a response from us.
1: Now, in the in the how, how do you spell that? They're <laughs> just going back and forth in the essence of uh, trying to be uh, true journalism here, what we have here is likely proof that the uh, education secretary asked that the NSBA sent them a letter about what was going on. We do not have proof that he said, "Can you please call these people domestic terrorists in your right. letter?" All right? We don't have proof of that.
2: Yeah, I'm speculating.
1: yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't, it that no. Way. The optics are terrible on this one.
2: The emails were obtained via a Freedom of Information Act request. Quote, should this allegation be true, it would reveal that this administration's pretextual war on parents came from the highest levels.
1: Came from the administration.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland unequivocally stated that he based his memo on the NSBA's letter. Look at these hand-washing stations, folks. <laughs> I'm telling you.
1: I thought about this when you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They just set up all these. Look at the. They set them all up. Oh, I was only going off the letter. Yeah. That my guy told him to write.
1: That's all I was doing. The top infectious disease experts job is to support whatever this other government agency says that we should be doing. And he's going to be out there talking about it. Look
2: at these clean hands. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. They so clean. Which in turn mobilized the FBI and US attorneys. Neely added, if Secretary Cardona is truly involved in this ugly episode, it is a significant breach of public trust, and he should be held accountable. As if there wasn't already um, unbelievable significant breaches of public trust in the well, government. That's how we got Trump. Oh, we by the way. We crossed the
1: line. Yeah. All right, we one, have a line. This how one,
2: much? Yeah. This one was a habitual You done messed up, eh? A- a- mm.
1: Oh okay, everyone. I think we're uh, we're done for the day. Charlie closes us out, so I don't have to say anything.
2: Yeah, you don't. No. So I'm done. Do less. I'm not going to say anything. That's, you know, the most hated person. (laughs) Always closes us out. Closes us. Closes. Closes us, yeah. Exactly. All right, y'all, that's it for today. If you enjoyed today's episode, this was completely unrelated, but it was a good one. Mm -hmm. We covered lots of things here to keep everybody on their toes. Uh, We play for keeps, as I mentioned at the beginning, here at Good Morning Liberty. We play for keeps. So if you, are, if you want to play for keeps too, then you should hit that follow or subscribe button. Share the show with friends, families, your church authority, and uh, the pastors down in New Guinea. And his children. And their children. Dear baby God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go to
2: MasterMyTrades.com to learn how to trade stonks um, or options or anything else that you want. There's over 300 videos that Nate has curated on the website to
1: they are curated because I've recorded like 450 videos Mm. so curated down to about 350 right now
2: and uh, they go everything they go over everything that you need to know to learn how to trade if you want to you can watch those videos and decide not to trade but you still need to learn What's going on in the markets? Okay. And you can make
1: money going up or down, by the way. Last two days there's been money to be made on the market mm. going down.
2: So Master My Trades, MastermyStocks.com, go check it out. If you do all of those things, eh, we haven't mentioned locals in a while. Go to GoodMorningLiberty.Locals.com if you want to be part of the live group and be a certified Chuck Hater. Certified
1: Chuck yes. Hater. Yeah. Give people a badge. You could follow Costco. He's the leader. Should I change them to a different color on the, on the discord? Hey, whatever you You want. Certified Chuck haters.
2: Costco says, join my legion of Chuck haters. (laughs) So, and if you don't hate me, you can join too and try to defend me. This will be a battle between everyone.
1: I'm going to make a new discord role right now called Chuck hater. Yeah. And so
2: it's going to be a new role, Chuck hater. And, uh, you know, it's, It's fun to get in there we got people that says hey i like chuck i'll take him chuck is not that bad and other people are saying yeah chuck's the worst i hate him and so you know go have a battle in the live group it's fun to do good you, morning you liberty dot locals dot com if you do all of that we'll be back again tomorrow hope you have a good day and day. good morning liberty